bring the heart. It's time to get loud. Let's go! Because this is Betfred Super League. Bring it on. again and welcome along once more to Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast, the best 30 minutes or so that you'll hear about the great game of rugby league, sponsored as always by our friends at Bedfred. Now, if you were with us this time last week, you remember that we bon voyage Steve-O, because right now he's somewhere between here and Australia. He's heading home for a couple of months, but never fear, he's still contactable, even though he is 12,000 miles away. I believe they have got Wi-Fi down there, so he will be back with us before too long. While he's away, it's always a pleasure to welcome special guests to the podcast. And this week, it's none other than the man who took over from Steve-O in the Sky commentary box with me, Terry O'Connor, of course. Tez, great to see you again and to have your company this week. Thanks very much for being here. You're all right, Eddie. You're all right. Just obviously a lot of similarities between me and uh, Steve-O. We're both <laughs> overweight. We're both bald. So uh, that's the reason why I got the call, I presume. Absolutely. You got the nod for the, exactly those reasons. Look, let's talk about your rugby league life there's been a constant companion alongside you for all of these years your old mate Barry Barry McDermott I know he's your greatest pal and way back when it all started in your amateur days uh, he was with you on that Bala tour to New Zealand and you've you've never been able to shake him off since have no, you? No no he's uh he's he's worse than the wife to refer and he always <laughs> turns up and even when you go shopping down in, in town, people are like, that. Where, where's Barry? How come he's not with my... I don't bloody live with him. We do we do have separate lives, you know. Um, but no, it, it was it was good, Ed. And I, as you know, you've known us both that it wasn't like a forged relationship. We, we, we go back to the amateur days, like you said, that we played against each other from 15, 16 years of age. And then we both played Northwest Counties, played for Barla. And um, so that Barla tour that you mentioned, like... I look back on it and see the players that that uh, went on to have a professional career, but like the prop forwards that, that we had in there, there was myself, there was Barry, there was Paul Anderson, there was Darren Fleary, and we were all four of us were lucky enough to to go um, and play for the the full national side. But we went down under when we were nineteen. Uh, we didn't manage to win a test, Eddie. But Nothing what, unusual there. No, no, but what I will tell you is every brawl that we had with them, we battered them. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing unusual there either. But, you know, you're a witness lad. You've been born and bred in witness. You still live in witness now. But you didn't sign for your hometown club. You, you ended up at Salford. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a real proud Widnesian. Like I, I, um, I'm very thankful for the, for the town that where I've come from. And when I say it that way, because... When I was a kid, my childhood heroes all played down at Norton Park, and Steve O'Neill, who was who was my like big inspiration in the professional game, um, was one that I always looked up to. I always aspired to be him, and 
And the reason why I went and signed for Salford was because he was the uh, academy coach at the time and assistant coach at Salford, with, along with Kevin Tamati, another player who played for Witness. And at the time, I had the opportunity of going to Wigan and Saints and Salford. And I picked Salford and everyone thought it was crazy. Mm. But the way I was thinking about it back then in the day was that Wigan's reserve side was as good as most first teams in the competition. And that if Salford, if at Salford, I, I could get an opportunity a bit earlier under the guidance of Steve O'Neill, I thought that that would pay dividends for me because if him and Kevin couldn't teach me about the game, well, nobody could. So fortunate enough that it, it paid off for me and, um, yeah, managed then to to get a career like at Salford, then on to Wigan, then obviously my hometown club. Absolutely, and it, it obviously has worked for you because I've, I've looked at the records. Salford, young player of the year, that must have been about 100 years ago, a young player. <laughs> man, man of the match against Wigan in a Regal Trophy quarter-final at the Willows. Is that the day, you think, that Wigan suddenly became interested in you? Yeah, well, it was one of them, wasn't it? You no, know, like years ago. Anyone who ever played well against Wigan, <laughs> Wigan were that big. They'd turn around and sign, and sign them. I remember Neil Cowie doing it, um, um, Martin Hall. Both of them, when they played for Rochdale against, uh, against Wigan, and Nigel Wright when he was at Wakefield, Henry Paul when he was at, when he was at Wakefield. It always Gary seemed Connolly. Gary Connolly. Yeah, yeah but, but Gary Connolly was really good compared to us lot. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it was, it, it, it's funny, Eddie, because back then Wigan were the team, weren't they? They were probably the only professional team, like, out and out, the whole squad were full-time pros. Um, so to have an opportunity to go there and play for them um, was immense. My, my, in, in our household, we all grew up hating Wigan. My mum and dad hated Wigan. But I tell you what, when, we, when I signed for them, my mum and dad were the biggest fans. <laughs> well, of course they would be. Absolutely. And I tell you what, Salford were prepared to uh, were happy as well because Wigan were prepared to pay some good money for you. What was it? £95,000 plus Sam Panaper, Kiwi yeah. international legend. And if you ever played for Great Britain, which you did, another ten. £1,000. Now, yeah. way back in the 60s and the 50s when this all happened, <laughs> <laughs> that, was massive, that was massive money. Yeah, who the hell would pay even a fiver for me, <laughs> let alone 105 grand and the great Sam Panaper? Um, yeah, but that, that was the money that they had. Do you know, like, mm. it was back in the day, my contract was up, and Salford did make a play to, to keep me, but I think it was a bit of a play that, yeah, but look, we're gonna give you we're gonna give you a deal here, but ideally we want you to go because we because <laughs> we, we want we want the money and we want a good player in return for you. <laughs> so um, so yeah, it was. Uh, I still talk to Ian Blaze about it because I'm still owed money from oh, when. Uh, are you? Yeah. So I signed for them in '91, left in '94, and I'm still owed money from Salford. Now that's where the similarity between you and Steve-O continues on because he claims he still owed money by Dewsbury <laughs> from 1970, whatever it was that he went to uh, Penrith in he'd Australia. Be a, he'd be a multimillionaire now if he got that money, wouldn't he? Well, I think he is a multimillionaire <laughs> anyway. You know, he's, he's on a permanent holiday, as you well know. Hey, look, you, you won the cup, you won the old charity shield. I wish that was still on the calendar. Yeah. Regal trophy, premierships. And in 1998, the inaugural grand final against the Leeds Rhino. Over 300 appearances, um, Super League dream team four times. No prop forward, Terry, has ever made the dream team four times. Do you know that? Well, I think they have now with, with Jamie Peacock. 
Um, Not sure he's done four, has he? Oh, Mind you, oh. it, it, listen, Wikipedia can, yeah. can be edited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I know that Barry McDermott got in it once, um, <laughs> and I've always said he can have one of mine if he wants. Um, mate, just... I'm a fat kid from Witness Eddie. You, do you know what I mean? You you know, obviously, you know I am. <laughs> and um, I, I look back and I'm, I always say, very fortunate, you get paid to to play rugby league, like something that you dreamed of as a, as a kid. You you pick up a ball as seven or eight year old and to think that that, that moment would change your life forever, which it has. Like I owe everything to the game and, and I say that to everybody and yeah. I've lived my dream, played in big games, gone around the world, um, loved my time as a professional rugby player and I never looked back wanting to play the game. No. Do you know what? I'm not like an ex-player that, that I, I don't miss the game. I was a custodian of of my jersey at the time and I knew that from a young age, it was always drummed into me by my dad, to be fair. And probably because he thought that I'd never go on and have a decent career. <laughs> he, he always used to say to me, look, the, your career could could pass you by. You might not get the contract that you want. You might get injured. Um, you've got to make sure you have something outside of the game. So... So from 19, 20 years of age, I, I always knew that I had to work away from, from rugby. And it kept me grounded, like for those big monumental games when you, you play in like a grand final or a Challenge Cup. I think that it does help you that, you that you're grounded and you have things away from the sport so you can concentrate when it's time to play, you, you obviously play. Absolutely. And lo and behold, you get to Wigan and who follows you to Wigan? Barry McDermott. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so he rocked up. So I... I I think more or less that I signed for, I signed for them in that Regal Trophy game you mentioned before. We played them, and to be fair, we should have beat them in that game. Um, and I signed for them a couple of weeks later than that, uh, and then Barry signed for them probably two or three months um, after that. So obviously it was second choice as well, <laughs> um, and we both we both went there. And, and do you know what? It, it was brilliant because like you know that we are genuine best mates and yes. we do enjoy each other's companies like uh, our kids have grown up together like the girls have grew up together like best men at each other's wedding and like godparents uh, each other's kids so everything uh, around me and him have, have um, been together but then obviously he only lasted of one year, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. at, um... you, ne- you never thought about going to Leeds with him then, no? No, no, no. I was, to be fair, I was quite glad that he left. <laughs> I was quite glad that he left. But then he showed up at Witness when you ended up there. Yeah, but then he just turned up for the money. I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest. He turned up for the money and he heard that the championship was a bit tougher and you could get away with a lot more in the championship, like scuffles and fights and the refs had turned a blind eye. So that was made for Barry back in the day. <laughs> so he loved it. <laughs> well, I think he claims he's been to the disciplinary committee more time than anybody else, but he always um, claimed that it was um, mistaken identity, wasn't it? Them, them big extensions that happened over in uh, the RFL headquarters, he paid for the majority <laughs> of that with all his fines. <laughs> but lo and behold, then you both hang up your, your boots and you get into the broadcasting business. And he's there again. I mean, yeah. double acts, Terry. I mean, you know, Steve-O and I were, were called yeah. a double act. You and Barry now are the new double act, the new kids on the block. It, it works, doesn't it? It works because you know when to shut up. He knows when to come in. 
you know when to come in and when he's struggling, you know? Yeah. It, well, it, it works. Well, do you know what? Like, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people out there saying we're both struggling. <laughs> but, um, you say that about all of them. Yeah, there'll, there'll never be a... I'll say it, Eddie. There'll, there'll never be an Eddie and Steve or, you know, ever again. I'm not just saying that because you're here. I've said it before and I say it on all platforms wherever I speak. That I was like a, a once in a, in a lifetime sort of thing. And, like, we just pinch ourselves because you best mates going to work with each other, like watching a game uh, in awe of the players. And, mate, lucky to get an opportunity. Like, 31 game, thirty-one years, sorry, have been um, in the sport, you know, professional sport, and now in, in the media side. Mate, I couldn't even spell media when I was at school, <laughs> let alone think I was going to have a job in media. I, I, I thought I was going to get back into the, on the building uh, sites and when I finished, because I'm a joiner by trade, so I just thought that when I finished rugby, that that would be my natural path. And um, like I said, just luckily for me and for Barry, that we had someone like you and uh, old Neville Smith, who um, believed in us and gave us an opportunity to, to do something that we loved. And yeah, we've, we've really enjoyed the time. No, it's been, well, it was great fun when you were both there and when we were all there together. It, yeah. it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, the last two years have been difficult from every aspect of life. I would imagine being in the commentary box when the grounds were empty yeah. and the players could hear every word that you oh, said about Eddie, them. do you know what? I'm looking in your eyes now and I remember a game <laughs> that we did at Halifax. <laughs> we did at Halifax and it was um, it was one of the championship games and we were at a scaffolding um, and the platform where we were doing the commentary from was right on the touchline and we, <laughs> we were there and uh, there was nobody on our side. No. There was nobody on our side, no fans at all. I remember you doing the commentary and all of a sudden it's like, it's obvious that the winger could hear everything that you were saying <laughs> and you absolutely bottled it. <laughs> I did. You bottled it because he kept on looking up to us what we were saying and, and that was like that in the, you know, obviously in the pandemic, which isn't funny, but you go to work and, and again, how privileged, like watching live sport, we were yes. one of the few fortunate people to go in the, the grounds but we would have, um, I'd have Billy Painter, who one of the colleagues at Sky. He was sat on the other side of where we were doing commentary at Headingley, and uh, he texts me up at half time saying, Look, I'm being serious here. For God's sake, will you just tone it down a bit? He said, All I can hear is you shouting. <laughs> difficult, isn't it? Difficult. Oh. All the players here and every, every word that you say. Everything. And all of them, uh, to refer to them there, they have all said to me, Gordon Bennett, we were glad when the fans come back in because <laughs> all we could hear was commentary. Shut you up. Yeah, yeah exactly. All we could hear was commentary. Wow. You've, you've, never, <clears throat> you've never called anyone an old boiler, though, no? No, no, someone who has, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just for people who don't know, it was a Wigan Saints match over Easter and St. Helens had, well, they were the odds-on favourites. Yeah. You at Wigan had so many youngsters in you were never ever going to win but you got a famous win and Neville Smith showed all these young Wigan players <laughs> and the last shot he showed was of you and I said the youngsters are delighted and even and I thought what can I call it <laughs> even the old boilers like Terry O'Connor and I thought oh God, what have I said? And I came looking for you, Mate, remember? Straight after, you absolutely bricked it. <laughs> you, you bottled it. Soon as the lift doors opened on the top floor of the DW Stadium, where you and you and Steve-O used to hold yeah. 
spot at the end of the bar. <laughs> Mate, you've more or less ushered me over straight away. You've come up and said, look, I do have to apologise for what I've said. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a court case. <laughs> yeah, but... Mate, do you know what you... You've been you, called worse, have you? Oh, called worse every minute, every day. I don't think it was that game. I think it was... Um, it might have been the, the game previous to that that we played against Saints... And this is quite lucky that the, the Sky cameras didn't didn't pick it up. Um, the the we've gone back. I've gone back to the back line. We scored a try. Andrew Farrell's lining up the ball. It's falling off. So I'm in front of the all the whole Saints. Like they just packed out the the stand behind the sticks, and uh, they absolutely just ripped into me. Oh, they hammered <laughs> me. Andrew Farrell's trying to tee the ball up. It's falling off. So it just gives them more time to give it me. So um, I turn round and they're all calling you, you fat so and so. So I turn round. As soon as I turn round, and I just, I just picked out this one bloke, and he and he said something. I give him a bit of a mouthful back, but then started laughing. Then the whole stand turned on me <laughs> like proper, like proper turned on me. So me thinking, ah yeah, yeah, Tez, bit of a bit of a joker. Like me, me pants more or less. Fell down. <laughs> All my shorts fell down and exposed my backside to the Saints fans. Oh, right, OK. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a complete accident. Yeah, complete accident. <laughs> then that was it. The whole stand were just after kicking me head in. <laughs> and so much so that after the game I was getting changed and, and luckily enough we beat them. Um, all the uh, stewards and like security staff had come in and said, look, you best I'd not go out the front. I said, <laughs> said why? said, there must be about 300 Saints fans <laughs> waiting for you. <laughs> said, so you um, snuck home? No, they said, yeah, they said, you've upset some of them. So I thought, oh, God, here we go. So I said, right, who's going to come outside with me here just, just to see? If I've upset someone, I'm genuinely going to apologise. So I swear to God, every one of my teammates, bar one, put their head down and said, no, we're not going. <laughs> Craig Smith came out with me. I apologised to the fans and... And that was it, but... Uh, you well, they must have forgiven you. Yeah, well... Because they're what? paying the subscriptions now yeah. and they're watching you on the telly. They must have forgiven you. But do you know what, Eddie? Like, I, I'd like to think that back then as, as a player and that, I was a bit of a character. Do you mm. know what I, Like, I was rubbish at rugby, but Bliminella was a good sledger. I, like, I was just... <laughs> I had, like, a, a quick wit that had always... Sometimes get me in a bit of trouble, but I did enjoy sort of, like, the banter with fans and the banter with, with players that you were playing against. And, and that was... That was part of the game back then. It's gone a bit that, hasn't it? Yeah. It's gone, it's gone a bit sanitised. Is, is that the right word at the moment? Would yeah. you agree with that? I just think that... Do you know that... Like, uh, sanitised in the... There's... People always say it's not the same as what it was. And we couldn't have, like, legalised fuggery, like, from years ago when, do you know, like, when I grew up watching the sport, it was, it was tough, Eddie. It was really, really tough. But uh, I remember listening to a... Um, it was Karen Morehouse actually. She was on on TV in an interview with Brian Carney, mm. and she was saying that like we've got to encourage people to to play the game, and we can't have this like um, headshots and all that. And I get it, hundred percent get it. Like I, my my son plays, my my son in law plays, and I don't want them to get injured or anything. But it never stopped me from picking up a rugby ball when I used to watch the likes of Steve O'Neill and Kevin Tamati and the Hume brothers. Like it was, it was real physical back then. You're like Big Jim playing, and like no one, no one ever, ever took a backward step. You, you played witness played Warrington or witness played Saints or Wigan. Oh, they were brutal, brutal games back in the, the late seventies and eighties. Yeah, but 
looking back on that and looking at you now, do you want your son and son-in-law to look in the mirror and, <laughs> and, and look like you No, but I, all but those years on? I think that's just the genes have come from me, mum and dad. The reason why I'm ugly is not because of the sport, it's just because of my parents. <laughs> look, it's brilliant talking about the, the old days and all your memories, it's fantastic. But 2022, we've seen this purge on the legalised thuggeries, yeah. you, you rightly say. I mean... The high shots, they've got to stop it because they're looking after the future of the game yeah. and they're looking after the future of the players because there are players who are suffering with Alzheimer's and yeah. dementia. And I get all that. Yeah, yeah, so do I. The thing is, though, it seems over the past couple of weeks, and I'm talking to Paul Cullen next week and I'm sure he will say this is not the case, it seems to have, have dropped off now. We've had six, seven weeks, 42 yellow cards or red cards in yeah. 48 matches. It seems that they've taken a back step because the clubs have now got involved. Yeah, well, the last two or three weeks um, it's definitely um, been ref differently. There's been more leniency and it has been a better game to watch. Um, without shadow, whether, whether we're watching the Super League or Challenge Cup games, it is 100% better. Like, you're playing... We, we, we try and speed the game up with six agains and we try and speed the game up. Like from years ago, it was like off five metres we used to play the defensive line. Now it's off ten. Everything's about getting those quick play the ball. So we're trying to create attacking rugby, but also we want strong defence as well. It's very hard to get the balance right. Of If you're trying to play at speed, that if you're defending, you're going to get things wrong. Like big fellas running out the line, coming off like someone's coming off a slow play of the ball, they're going to fly out the line in numbers, and they're going to get sidestepped. Someone's going to use late footwork. You are going to get it's human nature that if someone's going to try and beat you, you throw your arm out. You won't just not throw your arm out because you, there's a big gap there. You'll throw your arm out. You'll get things wrong, and I, I just think that we we've got to or the game's got to be. We can't have it too. When I say sanitized. Like, people are going, ah, you would say that because... Well, that, well, that was my word, to be yeah, fair. No, no, but people would say, we can't sanitise again. We play, we play a game, and what frustrates me is when we sell the game and when we sell players like Saavedra and Morley or Sam Burgess, just to name those two in particular, what we show clips of is them with big shots. What we show clips of is how aggressive they are in defence or running. We take the shoulder charge out of the game... And I know that you and I have talked about this for, for years. Yeah, we've, we've agreed to disagree. Yeah, about that. yeah, but but with the shoulder charge, you can see something coming. I'd rather have someone seen seeing a defender running at me and what he's going to do rather than someone coming up with a cheap shot from behind. So I would, <clears throat> I would, the shoulder charge, you can have players who play the game who, who used to like lead with the shoulder when they were carrying the ball, but that's that's okay to, to do it. So the, so that was always wrong, and that was always a, one of those contentious ones that thought, right, okay, so no shoulder charge, let's let's get on with it. But don't take out of the that gladiatorial battle that people used to turn up and, and pay to to go in. They used to turn up in Rome, the Colosseums, to, you know, to watch gladiators <laughs> fight and all that. But, but you don't want people eating by lions no, at no, the DW no, no. Stadium, do you? No, no, we, we can't have Carl Fitz <laughs> doing, doing something like that down at Warrington. But no... But people always want to see that, like battling and um, sorry, boxing and UFC. Look how big UFC is now. Mm. Like, but surely that if you look at fighters in years and years to come, a lot of them could have claims. Now, I, I'm not saying that I want to see that in rugby league. Absolutely not. No, I am not condoning I, fighting. I, I think about Muhammad Ali, yeah. for instance. You know, I mean, that was tragic to see, and, and it's a fine line. I think we all agree with that. It is a fine line that the game has got to tread. 
The yeah. problem is, here we are at Easter, and it seems, pardon the pun, the gloves are off, you know. back. It's almost back to square one. And this has happened years and years and years gone by. That yeah. they, they have a purge by Easter time. Oh, well, we've tried it. And let's get back to how it used to be. Let, let's get back to what the, the fabric of the sport is. And I, I've said this a number of times, because people do let all say, oh, you... It, the game's changed from when you played. Yeah, it has changed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I love the game. I, I don't look at any era thinking, right, and, it, and every era was of the time of, like, in Big Jim's day, that's how you played it. In Steve O'Neill's day and Gary Jack's day and all those plays, that's how you played the game. This day and age, um, there's obviously an issue with um, welfare and care. And... I absolutely, 100% get it. I don't want to see any youngster turn away from the game because of the way it looks. No. I don't want to see any families walk away from the, from the sport. But the, the fabric of the, the game was always, when I was growing up, it was tough. It was relentless. When you played the sport, you you would have tussles with the with opponents. You'd get sent to the Simbin, you'd come back home, you'd always address the referee as yes sir, no sir. You'd knock 10 bells out of each other. After the game, what everyone always said about rugby league, no matter where you went in the country was, I love the way that, that you lads are on the field. Because you're so respectful to the referee, you'll knock 10 bells out of each other, then you'll go and have a pint after the game. Yeah. And, like, it, and it will always be like that. And, and that, that was what, what the game was. Now, like when you see players lying down, faking an injury, oh my God, Eddie, that... Proper winds me up. Well, that that could be an allegation you could make about other sports as well, and we, we certainly don't want to go down down that route. No. There's no question. But as I say, here we are at the cusp of Easter. Good Friday would not be Good Friday without yeah. Wigan Saints. Whole whole KR. Yeah. But looking back to the Challenge Cup weekend, the headline act was Catalan and Saint Helens, and I thought Saints were going to be given a hell of a run by the Dragons. They're such a good side, aren't they? I said to Eamon McManus a few weeks ago, you're killing this game. You're too good. Then they go and lose to Toulouse. (laughs) But, I mean, they are outstanding. Can anybody beat St. Helens? Well, I I just think they are phenomenal. Like They're a a well-oiled side. They're a well-oiled club from from top to bottom. Um, I I look at what Christian Wolfson, so when when Nathan Brown left, you know, I ever thought, what's going to happen now? Then Justin Holbrook comes in. He has a lot of success with him. Then Chris, then he leaves, and then everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen now? Are we gonna, are we Daniel gonna... Anderson was the same in yeah, 2006. Yeah. Won they, everything. They're brilliant. They, I've always been in awe of, of Saints. Do you know, like from... What is it? What is it about them? Is it the fact they've got the best young um, programme of getting players through? Because you look at Dodd and Wellesby and Knowles and Lomax, you know, players like this. They just come. They just come from nowhere. Yeah, they get a lot. Of, they get a lot of players from Widnes. I will say that. <laughs> the Wiganers say they get a lot of players from Widnes yeah. as well. Yeah. Well, I, I, they do a decent job. The the sell of the club and what Mike Rush has done for that club over the years. He's had every job. Do you know? Go in there. He, he's he's been a constant um, at Saints, and I, I just think that clubs are good. Clubs are built on culture. Good clubs are built on culture. And you can go back to when Wigan had all that success and eight eight Challenge Cups in a, in a row that they'd won. And then all of a sudden, your young kids that, that come into the system and taste that success, that if you don't toe the line and you don't step up to the mark, what the senior players expect of you, you'll be shown the door. Correct. Yeah. So 
so I, I think that Saints are, Saints do it well. Um, I think a lot of clubs do. Like I, I think Wigan over the last two or three years have been pretty boring. Do you know up, up until this season? Um, but the success that the youngsters are having this year is on the back of all that adversity that they've suffered over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Because credit the the coaching staff there and, and Lammy and and Matty Pete and. They were they stuck by the kids, and now I'm I'm looking at some of them young kids that are, are playing really really well for Wigan at the top end of the table. When I think years gone by, a lot of them players might have been shown the door, but they did believe in them. Well, there's loads of Wigan and youngsters, ex-Wigan youngsters playing for loads of different clubs in the Super League. St Helens, the pinnacle. Yeah. The other end of the scale at the moment, we've got Leeds, and I know Jared is there at Leeds, so you probably know a bit about Leeds, and you, you probably can't talk that much about. He Leeds don't talk right to now. me. He don't. He don't he tell, tell me anything, anything about anything. Fair enough. No. Well, I'm amazing to you anyway. <laughs> but, but yeah, but I mean, Leeds are going through the horrors at the minute. Warrington are going through the horrors at the minute. Five defeats on a row before the Easter weekend. Um, what's the problem? I mean. I, I, the coach is the easy man to blame, but it's the players, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, it's one of them, isn't it, that um, people that get the blame, it's crazy, really. I read some, I read a, an interview that uh, Carl Fitzpatrick, the CEO from, from Warrington, had done about the, the personal uh, like abuse that he was getting and emails he was getting to the club. And uh, it's, it's a real tough one because um, Daryl Powell... Like if you, if you look at Warrington every year, you look at Warrington. You always think, right, they're gonna they're gonna do well. Then. This is their year. This is their year. Yeah. So when you look at Warrington's team, yeah, they're missing a, a couple of big boppers. In in my humble opinion, they're missing some some big units. But when 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 that team was put together and it's been kept together as well over recent, remember when Toby King was going to be he was wanted by every club, like. Cal Fitzpatrick did everything in his power to, to keep hold of him and they kept him, managed to keep him at, at the club. He's, he's not had the same impact as what he was having back then. There's, there's lots of players that, that Warrington have got that if they were on the market, other clubs would want them because, because they're good. So at the beginning of this year, I looked at, at Daryl Powell coming in. I knew that he wasn't going to have an impact straight away. It was, it was virtually impossible because he has to build... He has to build his brand of rugby and his style of rugby into those players. Now, those players over years gone by under Steve Price and Tony Smith and whoever else that they've had as coach, they'll always like revert to type. Like if things are going wrong, like the game plan that Daryl Powell's trying to implement, you I'll tell you, like, you always revert to type as a player. When things are going against you, your back's against the wall. So Daryl, it might say not this year, not next year. It might be two or three years before Warrington get it right. But going back to the the criticism of Cal Fitzpatrick, like you look at that Warrington team, you look at the coaching staff assembled at the beginning of the year. You're thinking the top three or four. Yeah, they're do you top... think they'll still get to top three or four? No, not unless they have a big change um, in their form. But when when you look at them, you think right, they're top three or four. Of them they've got to be. Surely they've got to be top three or four. And they're not, and they've lost the last five. That's now to do with the CEO. No, of course That's now to do with the CEO. So, no. so it's net, would I say it's out to do with the coach? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame Daryl. Sometimes like you, you, as players, you've, you're accountable. Like George Williams. Like George Williams has come across. Everyone would want George Williams. Stefan Ratchford. Everyone would want Stefan Ratchford. Daryl Clark. Everyone would want Daryl Clark. So you go through the, the side, 
And you think, right, well, they've got players there. Like, in all walks of life, whatever job you do, you can, you'll go through um, times in your life where you'll have a lack of confidence. And I think that's what Warrington are going through now. And the, and, the same with Leeds. And I was just going to say, and the same can be said about Leeds. Like, Leeds are, Leeds for the, the last, what, three, four years have been looking and, and building. And, and what you would say about Leeds, uh, uh, again, that they've had some injuries, they've had some success. Like last year, they got to within 80 minutes of getting to the grand final. They won the Challenge Cup um, a couple of years ago. Um, when everyone looks at Leeds, they always look at the year Kevin Sinfield, Danny Maguire, Rob Burrow, when they were around. The golden generation. Yeah, the success that they've had. And I'm not just saying it because, because my lads in, um, in the system, there, they have got some very, very, very talented young kids. Well, it happened in 1990, and they brought the likes of the players you've just talked about, and Jamie Jones, we can, yeah. and people like that, they brought them through, and look what happened. So yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not doom and gloom. And it? it's hard for any club... It's hard for any club and any coach, if you're in a position like Daryl uh, or like Rich Agar was, to, to give young kids a chance in the first team. Like everyone's saying, right, okay, well, you've got to, we've got to make changes or we've got to get signings. To put a young kid in, you're a very brave coach to, to put young kids in and give them an opportunity when things aren't going well and they're losing four and five games on the bounce. And again, I'll go back to Steve, Steve O'Neill and I'll never apologise for it because he taught me so much. You have three columns in your, on your board when you're a coach. And you'll have your first team, you'll have your reserves, and you'll have your academy. Steve O'Neill always used to say to me, it's harder to get out of the first team than it is to get in. Right. said, once you get in, you're always in the left column. So they'll always move that left column around of players, play players out position before then they'll go into the other columns to bring them in and then stick with those kids. Interesting. That's an interesting point. It yeah. really is. But at the end of the day, uh, St Helens are going to win everything, aren't they? T- whisper that quietly, by the yeah. way, if you're over near Mike Rush and Eamon. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, as I said, Eddie, like, um, if, if you are the, the pace setter and you are the one that's sitting pretty at the top of the table, you're the one that's got to, got to be... Rain back in. It's very hard for anyone at the minute. And and I look at I look at that same side, and like people say, yeah, there's there's kids that have come through the system that have done a brilliant job, and they have and they've kept them together, and they've not wanted James Roby's never wanted to go to Australia. Johnny Lomax has never wanted to go to Australia. Other players have left clubs in in Super League and wanted to test their arm, but credit to the Saints club for keeping together a, a band of players that are. Like the top of their game, but I also what I also look at Santa is the likes of Dan Norman. What I also look at Joe Batchula, like players that have come from the Championship and they've stepped into a Saints side surrounded by stars, and they've not looked out of place. Alex Wormsley, Alex Wormsley, exactly the same. There you go. What a hero he yeah. is at the minute. Yeah. Look, you know, brilliant to talk to you. Um, how's things at uh, the old place? How's things going at Sky? Uh, why haven't we seen Barry's glitter ball? No, do you know what he did? A he did a brilliant ten job. grand he raised, didn't he? Personally, yeah. yeah. He's uh, well, obviously, I'm. I've got a soft spot for for him. I would never say that to him. Um, I, I just portrayed the act that I don't like him. <laughs> but he's a he's a brilliant lad. All the stuff that he does for Rob and mm. like that bond that that those two have got. And when he when he said he was going to do it, when he said he was going to do it, you can imagine my reaction. <laughs> yeah, like, then, first word would be what? <laughs> yeah, and then he. he um, he, he, 
he did a lot of training. He as flung all himself into it. Yeah, yeah, Justin Harris as well. And there was a lot of actors and actresses that that, that uh, got involved. It was a giggle. We we went and our family, we uh, we all went and we, we took a table there and we loved it. We absolutely <laughs> loved it. And I just went, I went because, like, not just to show me support for Baz, but... But also, you wanted, to see, you wanted to see him fall flat yeah. on his face. Yeah, oh, I would have loved it. I'll be honest. <laughs> I would have loved it if he would have tried to do the Michael Jackson shuffle and spin around and just spin around and knock all the speakers over <laughs> and go flying and take the DJ set out. That would have got a standing ovation from me. But he was, he was, he was really good. And, and to say that he, uh, he bought into it, so he, he did. Michael Jackson, didn't he? You did, and he did. Uh, was it Thriller? Thriller, yeah. Yeah, he did. He did Thriller. So he did. He did the lot, and his makeup was brilliant. And, uh, and he hates makeup. He hated makeup for the oh, telly. Yeah, he says that. But look, I've, I've been out with him a few times. But he dyed his hair as well, Eddie. He did an Eddie Hemmings. He died. He died. <laughs> Most unfair. Yeah, he dyed his hair. And anyway, the horrific thing for him is. Like, and his, his wife's a bloody hairdresser. He has her own shop. He couldn't get the dye out of her. And he sent me a picture. Like, and all of his people that know him over there would have been like that when they saw him walking in. Is this bloke going through a midlife crisis? <laughs> he's had his teeth done. He's had his teeth whitened. Now he's dyeing his hair. He's pulling a shopping trolley down, <laughs> down through Alicante. Like that. What is going on with these rugby players? <laughs> Terry, you're obviously having a ball still at Sky. It's good fun, isn't it? I mean... To get paid, to go to a match, to shout and scream for 80 minutes and come home. It's just a brilliant way of earning your living. Yeah, it, it is, Eddie. I'm, 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 I'm obviously, I'm finding it difficult to meet with, with, you know, Jared and, yeah, uh, and Brad playing. Yeah. That's um, Brad Walker, for, who's at Wakefield, at Wakefield at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So him and my daughter um, getting married at the end of the year. That I'm sure they'll have, they'll have kids pretty soon. And, like, when... Uh, there was there was a game last year and it was um, Wakefield, it was Leeds and Wakefield, and uh, I, I come away from the game and was a bit disappointed because when we do with the man of the match and you know all that sort of thing and and Jared, mate, I'll, I'll be honest, he deserved he deserved he was, the man, he was of your the match. man of the match. Yeah, but we didn't give but it. You him. couldn't give it him. No, that's um, not fair on him. Is no, it? it's not, and it's not fair on him having me, or it's not like in the commentary box or talking and things that you would normally wax lyrical about any young 19-year-old player. Um, like, you're at the point where you think, like, I've had, I've had great time, do you know, in my, my career. Like, I've, I've, I've loved it, but I'm, uh, I'm really proud of, of my family and, and sometimes I think, well, I obviously can't do it for a long time. It'll be a sad day when you hang the microphone up. It always is. Yeah, but uh, again, Adam. I'm I'm a custodian of, you know, the microphone. The rugby league will always go on. Like sports will always be on t TV. Do you know, like when I when I played the game, I was a custodian in my jersey. I'm a custodian of the microphone. I've 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 loved my time, and and also I'll I'll be absolutely honest. I love listening to, do you know, like whenever we had guests on, and now I listen to your Kev Browns and Kyle Amos and John Wilkins and Jamie Jones. We can't. I love listening to to all these these new people coming in, and yeah, that like life is life and sport is sport, and you get you get one crack at it. Do you know what I mean? You're born, you're not here for a long time. Correct. And I, I want to make sure that when when I do get me um, me wings and a and a fly off, well, I, I go up or down. I don't know which way I'm gonna go. You won't need a coat where you're going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I'll have I'll have no regrets on. 
on anything, mate, and I'll and I'll have been there and I'll have watched um, my family, and man, that's that's all you want to do, isn't it? Do you it, know what I mean? It certainly is, Terry. Look, thank you so much for your time today. Very kind of you to be here. I really do appreciate. Thank you very much, indeed. Been great to see you. And uh, next week I'll be catching up with another of our old pals, Paul Cullen. Oh, I'd love to be in that one. <laughs> um, he's chairman of the Games Disciplinary uh, Panel, as you know, so that'll be interesting to hear from him. We'll get some news on the rules and the crackdown and all that sort of business. But uh, till the next time. Seriously, no invoice. They would not put any invoice in anyway. Oh, don't be silly. Don't be silly. Is this a freebie? This is a free. You've had a coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Tez. All and right, we'll see you all next week for the next edition, hopefully of Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast.